howdy. Welcome back. It's uh, It's been a while. Yes, it has. Welcome back to the Grainfields podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a bit of a hiatus. About 14 months. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. You know, that. life got busy apparently. Yeah. Not sure what with, but um, we're back and that's all that matters. That is all that matters, especially for you, our loyal, loyal listeners. Yes. Who, uh, you know. We've had a lot of people asking us, when is Grainfield's podcast coming out with season two? And we're finally giving all of our massive fan base what they want. I'd almost say the uh, correlation between the turmoil of the world currently and the absence of the Grainfield <laughs> podcast has been it's got a very, very large correlation. Yeah. Well, People have just been, you know, in, in, in ruins without us. Yeah, the only issue is is that kind of breaks down when you realise that our first podcasts were released in the uh, first COVID lockdown. That is a great point. So maybe we began it all. Maybe yeah. we were the <laughs> we were the initiators. <laughs> instigators. Oh dear. Mm. Well, but we are back, and yeah. we are back with a new season that we did talk about late last season. <laughs> so we really kept you in in uh, on a on a bit of a cliff there. Yeah. But we are back with our Q&A season 2 of the Grainfields podcast. Yeah. So what are we going to call this segment, Dylan? Q&A with the boys. Q&A with the boys? Uh, we'll find something. Yeah, we'll you, you'll see it when you when yeah. it comes up on Spotify. That's right. You'll know before us. <laughs> yeah. And Dylan, I actually am aware of the fact that uh, during this COVID episode You've been a bit of a fierce weapon on the uh, on the share market. I don't want to go as far as saying <laughs> <laughs> you're a bit of a barefoot investor. Oh, mate. So I just want you to give the people your top three set and forget shares for the next 10 years. All right. Wow. <laughs> I like this. This is great. Let me just... Let Sorry. me just get it up for you. I've absolutely thrown this curve bullet, Dylan, without a... No, this is no great. warning. I really... So. This is fantastic. So... <laughs> I'm an index guy, if anyone knows what that means. I'm a, I like to play it safe mostly. So if you if you wanna, you know, if you want looking for some steady, slow, long returns, <laughs> I go with uh, just some indexes that track the market. So STW, um, VAS, um, and potentially VSO. So wow. look those up. Do some do some research. <laughs> Wow, that was so random, but I like that. Yeah, so, you know, enjoy that. Ride them long term. Mm. Don't worry about what happens in the short term and uh, you'll be fine. Thanks. The Lord's sovereign. That's all that matters. Wow. Don't worry about your yeah. cash. That's good, Dylan. Thank <laughs> you for that very practical advice for our listeners. I like so. that. Thanks, mate. I really like that. <clears throat> so, we're here, season two. And like Dylan said, we're tackling some questions that you guys have shot through on our Instagram page. Um, and if you do have a question you'd like answered throughout the season, don't hesitate. Mm. Go onto Instagram, yep. search up the Grainfields IG, all one word, and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, there's no, it's never too late because knowing us, this season will last a year Ooh, yeah. and then have another hiatus for a <laughs> while. So. And maybe at some point we might even get some music out. Yeah, yeah that's also yeah. I- ironic. We started this as a, uh, a band, but... Uh, yeah. Writing music's hard. Yep. But that's okay. That's Certainly not... Certainly harder than talking about scripture. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, cool. So, Noah, what is the first question that we'll be addressing today? And well... who is it from? So, this question is from Jason, a good friend of ours. And he has asked us, what is the gospel? Ooh. Banger of a question. Banger of a question. Fantastic from Jason. 
Awesome. A really important question, really, to the Christianity because the Christianity, <laughs> you like that. It's the really Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm fumbling on my words already. But it is an important question to answer and understand um, as Christians because we base our whole lives on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the good news that we share with those around us when they ask about what it means to be a Christian. And it's the truth we live on. Mm, and it's the good news that uh, saved us. Yep. So even more of an incentive to understand it well mm. and be able to reciprocate that to others. Correct. Awesome. So why don't we go to Ephesians 2, 1 verse 10, and we're going to refer back to this text hopefully throughout this podcast because we think Paul does a really good job of answering this question in this passage when he's writing to the Ephesians and reminding of what it means to be saved. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll read it if that's okay because yeah, I've got it right in front of me. It says, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. What a great passage of scripture. What a stonker. Mm. So, that look, there is, there is summations of the gospel all throughout um, scripture that we could use, but we just thought mm. we'd use that passage as a bit of a home base to um, refer back to. We think it gives a good, you know, holistic view of um, God's great redemptive plan for for mankind. Mm. Um, yeah. And really that's what the gospel is, is it is God's great redemptive plan for all of mankind. And we see that outworked all throughout the narrative of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when someone first asked me, what is the gospel? When I was young in my faith, I just thought, oh, it's, you know, it's the book of Mark or it's the book of Matthew or whatever. Mm. Those four first, f- yeah, those first four books of the New Testament, which we call the gospels. But the gospel is more than just those books. Um, it's the good news that God has redeemed sinners like you and I. And this good news is, yeah, like I said, given to us through the full account of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's really the narrative that God sets out from creation. And, you know, he finishes with the the prophesying of what's to come in Revelations. Mm-hmm. And the grand culmination of all of this redemptive plan is is found in the person of Jesus, which yep. is what we're going to, we're going to unpack that a little bit. And yeah, so, it's actually researching, you know, or well not researching, but kind of writing this all up. It's, mm. I think, often as Christians, we can um, boil down the gospel to be far less than what it is. Mm. Um, and I think we've found that it was in planning, like it's it's quite a in depth, um, rich, rich, you know, gospel that God, God has given us mm. that we don't often do justice for by by boiling it down to you know a few points or yeah, you know, just just you know. Sin, Christ, you know, redemption, all, like all these sorts of little things. But it's it's actually like, it is from you know Genesis to Revelation. The whole Scripture reveal, reveals God's you know grand plan to redeem man to to God. 
Yeah, that's right. And even his gospel is being outworked now today, as in as mm. as more Christians come alive and as more Christians outwork that great commission that God has given us, that is the gospel being furthered. So the st- story still certainly hasn't ended. Yeah. Mm. So if you are taking notes, it's not, it's the gospel isn't just these four points, but to make it easy, we've we've kind of put it into a way in which we can we can put it under a few just like a few headings to kind of mm. view um the God's plan of redemption in a bit of a more formatted way. So yeah, I'll just go through them now. And the reason we've chosen to do that is because really, when we look at scripture and the progression of the narrative in scripture, there's four kind of main movements yeah. that help us to understand the story really clearly. Yeah, great. So we've got creation, we've got the fall, we've got redemption, and then we've got new creation. Um, so yeah, look, they're not not hard and fast. That's what it is. Um, we've just chosen that, and also there's you know other people who've written books and things like that about specifically what the gospel is and that they've used a similar structure as well so by no means are we saying this is hard and fast how you have to you know explain the gospel or whatever but we just found that it's helpful in visualizing you know four key key parts to the mm. to the whole thing good dylan mm. well shall we get into our first one creation uh so the very first words of the bible in the beginning god so the story starts the story of good news starts with God. Um, and really, this gospel is all about God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Genesis talks about the fact that he was uh, hovering over the face of the waters and that he was there for all time. He was eternally existing mm-hmm. as God, triune. Um, and that's really important because the story of the grand redemption isn't actually really about us. You know, while we do play characters in it it's actually really all about god and his glory and what he's done for us mm. and we'll also see that in creation that it's set out everything is initiated by god yeah so it all therefore points back to god because he's the source of life yeah and there's a really <clears throat> key part that we can notice in all of well and it's it's quite obvious because of the way god has revealed himself to us but it is through his word mm. so god creates by speaking um and then he gives us, you know, the Bible, which is written by man, um, inspired by the inspired spirit. by the spirit. That's the word. I was going to say influence. Um, inspired <laughs> by the spirit. So we can see that he creates by his word, and his word brings about his work. So that's a really key part that um, we can see in scripture is that when God speaks uh, or declares something through scripture, that it, whether it's a promise or whatever, that he is um, bringing about his work. By his word. Yeah, correct. So verse three, great example. And God said, let there be light. Mm -hmm. And there was light. So we see God enacting his work, his creative work through his word. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, And the next thing is if you follow on the narrative, he starts creating. And you'll notice that as he creates, in verse four, it goes on to say, and God saw that the light was good. So God, in his supreme sovereignty declares that that light is good he creates it and it is good because god as the creator defines what is good Mm. so now we have in creation we have a a definition of what is good because god is good and god defines what is good and therefore whatever he says is good is good correct um so that gives us then a a template to to know objective truth so we we can say well there is a Objectivity in saying that this is good and this is not. 
um, so we can see that in God's good good creation and good design that he defines what is good and his creation is good because he has defined it as being good. Correct. Yeah. Yep. It's good, Dylan. So as the now. <laughs> So I like your affirmation. So it's good. It's just like, uh, thank you. I'm yeah, glad, you that, I'm glad that, that it's good. <laughs> I'm glad that I've... Oh, dear. Um, it's good. Um, yep. So then we move on and he keeps creating over seven days. He rests on the seventh day, obviously. On the sixth day, um, he creates men and women in his image. Well, man, but he says that it will be in his image. It says in verse 27, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. So this is where we enter the story as humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a really, really important thing. We're going to keep pausing on these important things because they're throughout the whole Bible, is that we are made in God's image. Mm-hmm. Um, and this image bearing, really, I think a helpful way to understand it is it's almost like God has stamped us with, with an imprint of what he is like. Um, so that we might outwork his work on the earth on behalf of him, that we might reflect him um, and reflect what he is like to the all creation. So you'll notice that later on in Genesis one twenty eight, he says to the people, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. In other words, um, rule over the earth as image bearers and show the rest of creation what God is like. Yeah, and this is really important to understand the gospel because there's a, you know, we have to have the lens that all mankind was created in the image of God. <clears throat> um, and things like, for example, like animals and things like that are not. So we are special in his creation because of the value he's given us by creating us in his image, um, which is a key part of then what occurs later in the fall is that we are in his image. However, dot, 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 you know. Wow. It all goes to bollocks. Yeah, leave you on. Spoil the story, man. <laughs> We're not up to that yet. Uh. The, the last thing we kind of want to just focus on in creation um, is the fact that um, in this garden, God makes these rules. Um, mm-hmm. So the, he says, you know, eat of every other fruit, but do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge. Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, like we said, he defines what is good and that he sets limitations for us within that so that we can be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is a good rule because God defines what is good, remember? Yeah. Um, so yeah, in submission to God, that mandate that he gives them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Um, Adam and Eve called to rule over the earth on behalf of God and fill it with more image bearers who would do the same. So ultimately, it's a mandate for these image bearers to reflect what God is like. Mm-hmm. to rule, love, and work in such a way that reveals what he is like. Mm. And remember, he instills all of this with his word. And what a beautiful picture that is. Like, mm. that is just, you know, this God who is so sovereign and powerful and mighty and eternally existing would create such a beautiful thing and define it as good. Like, mm. you know, it wasn't like, he's not going, oh, like, yeah, you know, that was okay. But like, it was good. And like, God's definition of good is far greater than ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, much more pure and holy and untainted with with sin. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that is the creation that, that God God created this good creation in which He was well pleased. Yep. Um, but things things changed. Things changed. Things changed quite drastically. Yeah. You changed, Adam. You changed, Adam and Eve. Yeah, man. Ever, anyone ever said that to you, Dylan? You you You've changed. changed. The old Dylan would have done that. It's right. <laughs> 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 
The old Dylan would have done a lot of different things. I can show <laughs> yeah, you that much. We'll yeah. Just we're talking about that later. Yeah. <laughs> later yeah. in new creation. So this is and and this is the key part of um the gospel in which the Christian and the non Christian coming to Christ must understand this contrast between God's good creation, which he was well pleased and created good um rules in which we should abide and live under to live fruitfully. And then we rebelled. Yeah, the fall. Genesis 3. So we see Adam and Eve did not believe in God's good word and work, choosing that their way was better. Mm -hmm. I think that's really at the heart of sin is that kind of disbelief in in God's good word and work. Yeah. It's a rejection of his work and of his intentions for us and um, rather a belief in our own ability or our own perception that we think our way is better than his. Yeah. That we want to be our own God. We don't want to submit or yield to him. We want to reject him yeah and this original sin that we see here in genesis um reveals to us that the root of all sin is in this idea of unbelief so the outworking of my sin may look very practical in the sense so like for example if i um have an idolatry of money so it looks practically it looks like you know me idolizing money and living for money and working for money and using money in a very selfish way but the root of that is that I disbelieve what God has said to me about him being fully satisfying so that I don't, I don't need to or, or him fully providing for me. You know, th- that's the sort of root that, one, I don't trust in his provision because I think that I have to work and, and you know, earn all of this for myself, whereas Scripture tells us very clearly that he provides all things. And then, two... Um, that he is not all satisfying, that I, I need materialism and I need consumerism of this world in order to be satisfied. Whereas scripture tells us, and we see it in, in, in Genesis 1, that he has created a good, um, a good uh, idea, a good structure for us to live in, mm. but I live outside of that because of my disbelief in believing that that is actually a good structure for me to live in, a, a good way in which I should live in community with God. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful way you've put it there, Dylan. Nice little bit. Thank you. I like this. You know, I just like I say I can say basically anything, and it's like, well done, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that um, Adam and Eve did not believe that which God said was good. Um, instead, they believed the lie which the devil put forward to them, and so we can we can see this in uh, Genesis three four. Um, it talks about so, the, but the serpent said to the woman. You will, sh- you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If we go back half a page in uh, Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we see that God says to them, um, you can surely eat of every tree in the garden, but not of the tree of knowledge and evil, and uh, sorry, knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat, you shall surely die. Mm. So... If we look practically on, on this page of scripture, it's like half a page back. God has just told them, do not eat of this tree because you will surely die. Uh, yeah. And then the serpent has gone, gone to them, hey, you won't surely die. God just knows that you'll be like me. So he doesn't want you to eat of it. So they've already, so this is where the fall of mankind, they disbelieve what God said. Mm. They disbelieve that God said, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And also the serpent says that you will be like God. We were created in his image yeah. in the sense that we were already image bearers of God. We were already like God. We were already like God. We reflected his image in a good way. 
but we intended, and this is where that disbelief of his good um, intention for humanity comes in, that we disbelieve that and therefore wanted to become the God of our own lives. Mm. Um, so these, like, you know, we can, there's these two lies that the serpent puts towards them and they buy both of them within a matter of, well, we don't know how much the time was, but on the page, it looks like not, not very, not very long <laughs> at all. Like, and you know, and that's so evident in our lives as well that we, we, we just, we flick like a switch because of sin. Mm. And this is where sin entered the world. Yeah. And so as this, this disbelief that Adam and Eve let into the world, this sin, this has ramifications because God did say that these people will surely die. And so they did, just as God promised, but not physically, but spiritually. So you will notice very straight away that this separation between God and mankind happens. So, and also relationally, we'll talk about that in a second, except notice that now Adam and Eve now feel shame and guilt for doing wrong against God. So, they make clothes for themselves mm-hmm. and when God comes to commune with them and be with his people, they run and hide because they know that what they've done is wrong um, and they have sinned against a holy and good God. Yeah, and that directly relates, uh, sorry, direct, directly impacts how we then relate to this God that we were in good mm. communion with and good unity with in the garden. Mm. Um, yeah, because he is holy and now that sin has entered the world, a holy God cannot be within sin. It's with it's outside of his nature to to dwell within sin. Mm. Um, so, so we see that this this enmity between mankind and God is now revealed in our disbelief and um, rebellion against His goodness. Yeah, yeah. You'll notice that God moves them out of the garden because they've tainted this good and perfect, holy picture of what you know, God's relationship with mankind is supposed to be like. It's quite profound, really. Mm. Um, and then also you'll notice that it affects, so we established that it affects, sin affects the way that we relate to God, but it also affects the way that we relate to one another mm. on this earth. So you'll notice that Adam and Eve, when they do this, turn on, e- turn on each other. You know, Adam says to God, you know, well, Eve made me eat it. Mm. And, you know, Adam didn't, Adam didn't, you know, take responsibility for not being there with his wife trying to protect her from the evil one. So you'll notice that um, we want to throw each other under the bus. We don't want to take the responsibility f- or blame for this sin. Very much so. So we clearly see the effects of sin very immediately. Um, mm. Yeah. And so we notice that this kind of pattern of, oh, so what I should mention here is as God removes them from the garden, there's a really important thing that happens. And what he does is he gives them clothes of um, made from an animal and this actually sets up quite um i guess like a theme that runs all throughout scripture is that there is an innocent animal which has to die for the sake of adam and eve's sins mm-hmm. something that is innocent that does not deserve this death dies so that they can live in the shame and guilt and so you'll notice that all throughout the old testament this idea of sacrifice of innocence becomes a really key theme to order mm. to pay or atone for these sins. Mm. Because these these people keep sinning against a holy and loving God who is trying to redeem them from this sin. But they ultimately don't want to. Yep. So you'll notice that um, you know, God, he redeems well, yep, you've got you've got Moses and even before that you've got Noah. You notice all throughout if you read Genesis, you'll you'll pick up this theme of sacrifice mm. and um the whole goal of it is to atone or to pay for the sin but 
ultimately none of that really works. You follow that pattern all throughout the New Testament. Um, sacrifices are made. You've got like the Passover lamb in Exodus, great picture of salvation. Um, you've got the law that was given to the Levitical, Levitical priests who were supposed to be holy. And then, um, you know, a special way of doing these sacrifices in order to make the people right before God um, with Israel. But, yep, didn't, you know, that this corrupted them and they stopped doing it right. Um, so this rebellion keeps going on uh, because of the unbelief and the truthfulness of God's word. They don't believe that his word will save them. Yeah, correct. And the beauty of all this is even in that fall, even in that moment where humanity took what was good and turned away from it completely and rebelled against God, this 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 third sort of idea or this third um, theme of, of the gospel, the redemption part, is that it was before, it was always there. God always had his redemptive plan for humanity. It was, you know... From the fall, it was there. And we see that in the whole path of Scripture. And I think we'll just go to Isaiah 53, 4-6 yep. is a um a beautiful picture of the coming of the Savior who would redeem humanity. Um, so it... Uh, you got it there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. We're getting there? So yeah, essentially... Uh, um, it talks about, it's the foretelling of the one in whom would redeem mankind from sin and reconcile his people to God the Father. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All like sheep we have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, as in on Christ, the iniquity of us all. And that is just like, we have all turned from God. That is the fall in its entirety, that mm. all mankind has turned and disobeyed and disbelieved um, God's good creation. And then we have this foretelling of, in, in Scripture, through God's word, he, he says, this, this is what will happen. Mm, this is my plan. And we can trust that because God is sovereign and good and faithful, that all that he um, speaks and says comes to fruition um, in his good time and his good purpose. Mm. And I was just going to jump back to Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, our kind of text that we're going to keep going back. You'll notice, like Dylan said, all have turned away. In the same way, Paul picks up on the same theme. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So when we talked about that spiritual death, I mean, obviously these people are still alive, but they were dead in their sin. Um, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So there's no exemption here. You might think, you know, I'm a pretty good person, but when you compare yourself to the holy standard that God has given us, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll quickly realize that we all fall short yeah. of that drastically. Yes. Yeah. Very, very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and in our sin, it's very easy to to justify that we aren't and we don't fall into that category. Um, like you, if you think about it, the you go and ask any random person, you know, do you think you're a good person? And I would guess ninety nine percent of the time they will always say yes. You know, I'm you know I do good things, and you know the good outweighs the bad. That's sort of the general response. So we have we already have we can see it in in mankind this this self-idolatry that, mm. that we think we are 
good and sufficient for ourselves. Yeah. So we can live independently of God, where we clearly see in the garden the intention of creation is that we would be completely dependent upon God and in submission to him. But now we have a world in which we think that we can be apart from him and we yeah. can self-sustain and we can self-redeem and justify ourselves in our actions where we clearly can't because, and this brings us back perfectly to the Old Testament, the whole of the Old Testament is a narrative in which mankind's nature is revealed in our failures to justify and atone for ourselves which mm. um, and restore ourselves back to God. We see like, you know, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after prophet being sent and the prophet falling and kings, judges, kings, judges, priests, uh, priests you know, and then and then we go and worship a dumb cow, <laughs> you know, and we just and we we, we continually turn, um, which just makes the culmination of Christ and his coming all the greater because we were so depraved. Mm. We were so wretched that we couldn't. Um, we couldn't redeem ourselves. Yeah, that's really good, Dylan. <laughs> You're <classic. laughs> done it again. You're classic. I might just start complimenting you. Wow, that would you know my love language is words of affirmation. Do you know that? Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> love language is a bunch of bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> ah, jokes. Yeah. So we see Old Testament, like Dylan said, um, this nation of Israel come about. Um, God called these people to be holy. Um, they failed, as Dylan said. You go read the Old Testament, they failed. But from, obviously, God keeps his word and his covenant with these people. Um, he says he will save them, just like Isaiah, the Isaiah prophecy is talking about. And then we see through the offspring of Israel, we see the true son of God who comes to earth, the king of kings, the lord of lords, who stoops low, and he comes to earth in the form of a baby, mm. born of a Virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, and he will display what God is like to the nations and redeem humanity, which is what, interestingly, Adam and Eve were supposed to do and mm. what we were supposed to do, but we couldn't. So he is this redemptive plan personified in the flesh. You know, John 1 says that he is God's word manifest. Mm. Um, and y if you read the, the Gospels, right, you'll notice that God, sorry, God, well, Jesus... God, Jesus, that is, lives the perfect life without sin. He's perfectly submitted to God's word. In fact, so much so that um, we're reading John as a church. Constantly, you'll notice that Christ will say, I do what I say what the Father has told mm. me, or I do what the Father, you know, like uh, the people who are in my church, you know, God has given them to me. Yeah. He is so submitted to God's, to the Father's word and work that it's, you know, th th their wills are one and the same. Yeah. He goes as far as to say in John that, all that he does, he does nothing apart from the Father. Yeah. All that I do, I gonna can't remember where it is. I can't remember the wording, which is fantastic. You know, really <laughs> good citing of scripture here. Yeah. But he says that um, I do nothing apart from the Father's yeah. will. So everything Christ has come to do on this earth is in perfect unity with God, which clearly makes sense and proves that they are one God in three persons, mm -hmm. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's a triune God three persons um but one god yeah which is which which points to the fact that christ would be the perfect sacrifice mm. because he lived the sinless life um perfectly submitted to god's will which is what we are completely unable to do 
Correct. Mm. And you'll see, like Dylan said, all of man's attempts to fix the problem of sin did not work. So, so we realize that sin is not a man-sized problem. It's actually a God-sized problem. And so God comes him very, himself. Um, he is the redemption plan. Um, and you notice that even as he comes, he comes in such humility. You think, you think about it. Like he creates the whole universe. In fact, Colossians, we talked about this, the preeminence of Christ. All things are created through him and by him. And for him. Yeah, and, and for his glory. Yet he comes as, uh, as a baby. And he doesn't come, doesn't roll through and just throw out the Romans like the disciples thought he would. But he comes to serve. He washes the disciples' feet. Like he, he is, It is ridiculous the humility that Christ has for these people who, who he knows are going to crucify him. Who hate him. Yeah, who, <laughs> who hate him, who have spat in his face and have said, well, you know, your creation's nice, but we think our way's better. Mm. That's really what sin is saying to God. Yeah, and I think it's important to look at now the position that we take in all of this. So, like, after the fall, what is the position that mankind takes? We actually despise, we, we, we hate God mm. actively. And it's not like this passive thing that, like, because often we'll find people, well, I don't hate God, like, it's it's you know I I ne- you know I never think about him I never you know actively rebel but we it's so innate in us now that our life is in opposition to God and that only this Savior could redeem us because we are so embedded in sin. Yeah, Scripture tells us us that our hearts are born in iniquity. Mm. That we are, yeah, following the course of this world, as Ephesians says, that we are sons of disobedience. Yeah. Mm. So. Christ, right, lives his perfect life, God in the flesh. He teaches about what the kingdom is like and what life will be like after he dies, enacting this this new kind of age, which we call the church age. We'll get there. But ultimately, the crux of Jesus' life is his crucifixion and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So like we picked up in Adam and Eve, that sacrifice that perfect sacrifice is now being fulfilled in Christ on our behalf. So in Isaiah, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was the he he was the only one who didn't deserve the death that sin gave, which that crucifixion is what we deserved, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yep. And he was the only one who lived the life that we couldn't, and he died on behalf of us. In fact, Romans says he's the better Adam mm. because he did everything that we as humans were supposed to do, but far greater. Yeah, and you might be questioning, like, well, why did someone have to die? Well, why? What is the purpose of why did Christ have to die? Like, what what was the the meaning behind that? You know, couldn't God just forgive us all? But if we look back to Genesis and we look at how God has revealed His character, we know within His nature He is holy and He is just. So when there is injustice, it must be met with justice, because within God's nature, His perfection, a a um, sin requires justice because it is a transgression against the holy God. And because he is holy, it requires there to be a, um, a payment. A payment. Yeah. And, and we actually have this within ourselves. As image bearers of God, mm. with similar attributes of God, if, if I'm walking down the street and you, and you see someone just dropkick their baby, you Oof. know, I mean, it's extreme. It is extreme. But <laughs> you have that innate gut lurching reaction justice needs to like mm. this is not right something needs to be done to make this right um and that's clearly an element of image bearing of god yeah that we are created in him despite we are now fallen and have sin with us there is still that 
that innate feeling to go, well, that requires justice. Yeah. And our justice, because we are sinful, is very much tainted by sin and therefore very flawed. But yeah. God's justice is perfect. And that's why we can trust that this sacrifice was sufficient because our sin required a payment that we could not pay. It was far too great for us to pay. Mm. So why did Christ have to die? Is because that was the payment that was required for sin against the holy God. To redeem a sinful humanity to a holy God, it required a perfect payment. And that's the whole the whole Old Testament paints that picture of the foretelling of, you know, the law, um, the Passover lamb and the sacrifices all pointed to the culmination of the the perfect sacrifice being Christ. Even in, in, in Abraham, um, in the story of Abraham, when he has to, God tells him to sacrifice his son. He says, um, and God says, I will, I will provide the sacrifice. And it's all a foretelling and all points yeah. towards that, which is the perfect sacrifice in which a mankind would be redeemed to God fully, properly, sufficiently. Yeah. Yep. That's it was really good i like you thank you mate <laughs> i appreciate it wow i get affirmations up the wires if i yeah, should do nice. the podcast more often yeah maybe i get you as a guest on more often mate <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he dies as our atoning sacrifice romans 325 says he was the propitiation for our sins so he pays for our sins on behalf of us mm-hmm. um so yeah he dies he dies the sinner's death everyone jeers crucify adam which is a great picture <laughs> Of our sin, right? Is is in our sin, we say the same thing to him. We say, you are not God. You deserve, you, you, I don't want anything to do with you. And in our sin, we say crucify Christ. Mm. When really that should have been us on the cross. Correct. And he would, and how, like, you know, this is just a, a fan. How good is this gospel that we have a God in which would die for a people which hated him? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he dies you know, key part is the death that he actually experiences, the death that we deserved. Mm-hmm. But then we see the um, his, his resurrection, resurrection, the resurrection. And this is a key part in, in verifying that it was a worthy sacrifice to atone for our sins. Mm. Yeah. And not only that, but this resurrection is also the first fruits of a new creation. Mm. And I think that segues us nicely into section number four, movement number four of scripture, which is new creation. Mm. So we see that through this death and resurrection, Christ overcomes sin in his work on the cross and overcame this death at, that happened at Genesis 3. He was given new life by the Father, right? So hold that, hold that thought there. So now as we, humanity, believe in the redemption that Christ has provided for us, through living the life that we needed to live and dying the death that we needed to for our sins, we too are given new life. Uh, in fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This, um, this belief in Christ's work on the cross is so great that it makes us a new creation. In, um, Genesis, uh, in Ephesians 2, Paul makes, it, makes that clear by saying, you were dead in your sin, but you have been made alive now together with Christ. Mm. This union, this this belief in Christ is so great that you are un- united in Him, and that God actually looks down, and when He looks at you, He doesn't. He still sees you. You are still a sinner, mm. but He sees you as Christ, as as Christ's work for you being done for you. Yeah. Because then He picks up on that later in Ephesians two, and He says, um, "We've been seated up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." Which is just yeah. astounding. It really is. 
when you really consider and tr- and reflect upon just how wretched we are, um, it, it just glor- it it gives God all the glory. You can't take any of that. Yeah, there's nothing that we did to deserve this or even to to receive this. Yeah, we call that grace. Call that grace. Yeah. yeah. And even in that, um, in our key passage, Ephesians two one to ten, says, "Uh, ooh, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. This is not your own doing. Yeah. So the result of works, so that no one may boast. That's the one. So there is no, there is no room for for mankind to boast in this salvation. It's God's alone. Yeah. It's God's, it's God's salvation for humanity. Yeah. We and didn't find it. We didn't get it. We didn't earn it. And so, really, that's what faith is. It is belief that Christ's work is sufficient and all-satisfying for you and I. It is belief that we've been made right before God and that our sinful attempts to justify us are no longer necessary, that we now live in that perfect union with um, with Christ and God and the Holy Spirit, obviously. Mm. And then, you know, we see in the early church, so just, just after the Gospels, um, we see then the formation of the early church and, and the new Christian believers and we have, you know, Paul, an apostle, and the disciples and all these sorts of things. Um, Christ calls his church to then be the means in which this gospel, this this mm. good news of Christ is then sent to the world. Yeah. And we see this in the Great Commission in Matthew. Um, we see uh, God's command for Christians in that we would, yep, be sent out and share the gospel with the world. Yeah, and it's actually quite similar to the mandate he gives Adam and Eve when he says, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue, and have dominion over the earth. Mm. He he gives us quite a similar purpose in the Great Commission to go out into all the earth, to multiply, to create more disciples of Christ who will submit under God and receive the salvation Christ offers. Mm. So yeah, we have this new identity in Christ. The fact that we are, we are no longer... Um, we are new creation in Christ because of his work for us. And we have this new purpose, this great commission mm-hmm. that we go out and we, we live on mission to see other people saved and receive this great gift that we have been given. And I have a question for you, Noah. Is that it? Does it end there? Is that the, you know, we all get, you know, you know, we send the, the gospel out and Christians are saved and God, uh, God adopts his, his, um, you know, Christians into his family through Christ's, is that it? And then we just cark it and we're off. Done. No worries. Yeah, that's it, mate. Death, black, done. That's it. Sorry, mate. Wow. Book closed. The book ends. Man, that was a pretty... The book, r- the book ends at the end of Acts. Wow. Did you know that? The it's a pretty rough ends. ending. <laughs> just kind of like all this goodness and then yeah. nothing. <laughs> no, that is that is a lie, Dylan. Don't believe that lie. Oh, I won't now. <laughs> so what, what, it, what is the... Uh, what hope do I have beyond this, Noah? So the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, as Colossians talks about, is that Christ will return and make all things right. So um, even back in the Old Testament, we see this prophesying, this prophesied, should I say, um, and we see it picked up again in Revelations. Um, in Revelations 21 verse 4, it promises us that God will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more pain and suffering. So when does this happen then, Dylan? Well, oh, Golly, do <laughs> you really want right. me to ask that? <laughs> answer that? Well, I probably can't answer yeah. that. We, no question. one knows. No one knows when Christ's return will occur. Yeah, it's that's, promised to us. Though. That's the bottom line. And that, but it's promised to us. And we can trust that promise because if we look back through all of Scripture, Genesis, 
you will surely die if you eat of this fruit. We surely did die because yeah. we ate of the fruit. Isaiah. I will Isaiah um fifty three. There will be you know, I will send one who is worthy to redeem mankind. It happened. You know, there's throughout the whole of scripture there is um foretellings of what is to come and they all come to fruition. Mm. So we can trust in that. And I think it's it's a good point that we've um now brought this up is that Christ's salvation for us, the promise was not to fix all of sin and remove all of sin from mankind then and there. Mm-hmm. It was to sacrifice, and it was still a, a worthy sacrifice in that we now are made right with God, but we are not without sin here and now on this earth. Mm-hmm. However, this is the hope that we do have, that when Christ does return, all will be made right. None will be without excuse to say that, oh, well, I didn't know who God was, and, um, well, I am right, and I am good. None will be without excuse. All will be made right. That innate justice will be perfectly satisfied and perfectly redeemed in the new creation when Christ returns. Yeah. And don't we have such great peace in that? that this mm. justice we long for in the world, um, the pain that we feel, um, even even within our Christian walk, this sin that seems to, you know, as Paul talked about, like being a thorn in our side that we just can't remove it, um, that it will be, it will be dealt with. Mm fully when he brings about the new heaven and new earth and comes back to judge um all humanity Mm. and this new creation is not just within us as in we talked about us being a new creation in christ but in fact god will renew all things Mm. as scripture promises um yeah and this this new creation will be full of god's radiant glory we will reflect we will finally reflect perfectly as his image bearers what he is like to all the world and sin that is, and all that is wrong will be crushed mm-hmm. with Christ reigning. And we will be full of joy. Yep. Absolutely lapping it up Ooh, under yeah. his perfect and good reign. And isn't this just a great incentive for, for Christians to be, one, fluent in the gospel mm. and understand it well. And two, that joy that we then find in this hope that we have should just explode into evangelism. Yeah that we should be so full of joy and satisfaction in this in this redemptive plan that God has given to us that we should then share it with others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's a really important thing. How am I meant to share the gospel if I don't even get it myself? Yeah. So take the time to ensure that you understand it. There's a really good book that I haven't read in its entirety. <laughs> I'm not sure if you have. You have, haven't I've, you? No, not in its entirety. I'm, I'm always saying, <laughs> hey, we're good at that. We're good at that. It's called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. Yep fantastic book from what I've read so far. Fantastic first six chapters. And I've had a lot of uh, <laughs> verifications that it is a yeah. fantastic book. <laughs> and we used a little bit in here, um, some structure of what we were talking about and yeah. some ideas. But that is the gospel. Yeah. That we now have hope in this sin-written world that um, Christ's sacrifice 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. or whatever, when the time was, is sufficient for mankind to be redeemed to God. And Christian, let me encourage you, because we all still deal with sin, right? Like we were saying, sin is not yet crushed. We still deal with it daily. Don't delay running to the Father. Because the whole narrative of the gospel shows us what God's heart for humanity, sinful humanity is like. Because he sent himself to deal with it for us. And his sacrifice was so great that it's dealt with our sin now. So if you're struggling with sin... Don't live in guilt and shame because the Father has dealt with that for you through Christ. And by the Spirit, he will lead you to that. It says in um, 
Romans 8, the start of Romans 8, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So be encouraged by that. And what do we do with that sin that we're going to struggle with? And we will struggle with it. I can assure you that. Don't think it's ever going to go away. Is repent. Repent and confess and trust that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient mm. for you. That is how we remain um, in the salvation of God. Yeah. It's repentance and faith in Christ's good work on the cross and that we are redeemed. And we and you are redeemed. That is his promise, that when you repent and believe and trust in the the work of Christ, that you will be reconciled to God and he will adopt you into your family. Despite the ongoing of sin, he promises that he will um, sanctify you and make you more like him. Mm. Not without sin until until Christ returns, until you die, but... um. Yeah. We have hope. So rest in that. Enjoy that. Get to know this God who has redeemed you. And speaking on enjoying, oh. thank you for... for um, I've enjoyed doing this. <laughs> and thank you. I don't know what I was going for that there. I was going to say thank you for enjoying this, but I don't know if you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Please let us know if you do. If you hate it, let us know as well. Good feedback. But thank you for returning. Thank you that... Uh, we've returned yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you lord for bringing us back <laughs> all anyway. right we'll see you soon don't know when the next one will be out see you soon <laughs> <laughs> bye for now